Hello, and welcome to the official podcast of Bishop Malcolm Smith. These teachings are recorded live each week and provided not only here on the podcast, but at youtube.com. Simply go to youtube.com and look for Malcolm Smith webinars in the search engine there. We also want to invite you to go to www.malcolmsmith.org. There you will find other teachings by Malcolm, including books, videos, and MP3 downloads. And now, with this week's teaching, Bishop Malcolm Smith. The Lord be with you. And I am going to speak tonight uh, in answer to a question. I think it began with an email, it went on to a phone call, and I was asked concerning a phrase that I have used quite often and uh, I've never explained. And I am amazed at myself that I haven't explained it. I'm also amazed I did not include this um, at the very top of the series we did on Radical Grace, for this indeed is right in the heart of that. And so, um, this is my answer to your question, Joy. Um, What does it mean, the faith of the Son of God? And and let me read. There's more than one scripture we could take. We're going to refer to more than one, hopefully, in the next hour. But um, the one that uh, is um, right at the head of the list is there in uh, Galatians chapter 2 and in verse 20. Now, Let me preface this by saying this is a subject that has um, given rise to much discussion. And the translators of the scripture sometimes have to bring how they understand things into how they translate. And so in the old King James Version, yeah, you know I don't often quote from there, But the old King James Version, they have it right. And then as the translations roll through the years, they have changed it. And let me say it is um, perfectly within reason grammatically to change it. But the, the actual original is what I'm going to read tonight. Galatians 2.20, I have been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live, but Christ lives in me, and the life which I now live in the flesh, I live by the faith of the Son of God, who loved me and delivered himself up for me. And so our modern translations, which as I say are perfectly in line with what could be a translation, is faith in the Son of God. But I and a great number of others would say a better understanding of that is I live by the faith of the Son of God. That's where we are going. At least that's where I'm aiming. This this whole idea of faith, um, it, it is obviously major theme of the New Testament. You can't turn around. There's no understanding of our salvation or how we live in Christ apart from this word faith. 
And yet, at the same time, I find there is so much confusion among believers uh, concerning faith. They, they seek to understand what they themselves are actually enjoying. Notice I said confusion among believers, those who have faith. And when we try to explain it and try then to formulate it, try to make it a workable something, we plunge into religious anxiety. And I meet too many believers who, if they don't say the words, they are saying it by their very body language, look on face and tone of language, that they are trying to have faith and making a pretty poor showing. No, look, let's get this straight from the very beginning. Whatever we mean by faith, whatever I'm going to talk about faith, faith is rest. that's, That's bottom line. However we define faith, whatever we discover faith to be, this is our touchstone. Faith is rest. Faith is confidence. It is rest and confidence in the Lord Jesus Christ and in the Father and is inspired by the Holy Spirit. It is such a rest Can you hear this? It is such a rest that essentially we are unaware of having faith. The person who's always obsessed by faith, trying to say, do I have enough faith? I'm trying to have more faith. Uh, That person is losing faith because they've made faith the whole point of, of their seeking. But faith actually is hidden. We, we are so taken up with the person in whom our faith rests. We don't, we're not aware of the faith itself. We're, we're too consumed with the object of our faith. So let me say another thing then, uh, the, the flip side of that is faith is not a labor that is, faith is not a work. It, it's, that is, I'm, I'm not trying to... There's no sweat attached to this. There, there's no um, weariness, labor, heavy laden, you know, trying to have faith, trying to be the believer I should be. And, and therefore, faith is never to be looked upon as something I have to do in order to really complete what Jesus did. You, you know, well, Jesus did all of that, but now I have to do something. I have to have faith. I've got to believe that. And only then does it work, you say. And, and so I've got to work, and it becomes Jesus finished his part, but I'm struggling to do my part. No, 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 no. Sorry, that's legalism to the max. Nor is faith that wish, you know, the wish for the impossible. 
uh, but of course it's quite groundless. You're merely wishing. And, and again, it comes down many times, I'm trying to believe, I'm trying to be strong, you see. And I'm facing an impossible situation, and, and my faith is, is a, a, sort of a, a foggy thing, a mist in, in the August morning where, where it's going to be gone with the first burning of the sun, a vague hope, no, no. Nor is it positive thinking. Faith has nothing to do with those things you'll find in Barnes and Noble under self-help. This is not the sort of believing that this world talks about. Faith is not something that you've got inside of you and you're now going to sort of give it the proteins and the nutrients to make it big and strong. No. Because faith is the ultimate gift of God Faith is the, it's, it's built upon the grace of God. Listen to these words. I know you've read them, but now let's really hear them. It says, um, verse 7 of chapter 2 of Ephesians, it says, In order that in the ages to come he might show the surpassing riches of his grace in his kindness toward us in Christ Jesus. For by grace, by sheer divine gift. And remember what we said back there. It's the energizing presence of the Holy Spirit, giving, 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 of the very being and self of the Father and the Son. By grace, this total, active, energized, empowered giving, for by grace you have been saved through faith that is because it was all a gift your only response could be faith but then he goes on and says and that not of or originating in yourselves it is the gift of God not as a result of works that no one should boast so it tells me, did you hear it? This is gift. And the gift can only be received by faith. But he says the faith itself is part of the gift. You can't boast in a jolly thing. You're helpless and you receive the gift upon the gift. you remember what it says? And grace upon grace upon grace. Okay, what what is faith then? And I think we've all read... The, the greatest definition in Scripture of faith in Hebrews chapter 11. But now, let's look at it. Look at it hard. In Hebrews chapter 11, it says, Now faith is the assurance, big word that, assurance of things hoped for. So hope in the Scripture is not a vague dream of your imagination. It's, it's not that floating fantasy up ahead that may be, might be, and then I say, I hope so. No. Faith is the assurance of things hoped for. The conviction of things not seen. Okay. Let, let's say that again, only maybe in a different way. Faith then apprehends 
a real fact. Hear me. Hear every word I say. Faith apprehends a real fact. It is the assurance of things hoped for. It is the conviction of things not seen. So it apprehends a real fact, but that fact is not visible to the eyes of my senses or to the ears, the hearing of my senses. I can't touch it, I can't smell it, I can't see it, I can't hear it. But to faith, faith apprehends this real fact. I got it. But it's invisible to my senses. And faith responds to that. It has an assurance in that. You can go to the bank with this. You can bet your life on it. Faith responds. Faith is the responding to the real fact and rests into that fact and begins to order one's physical, material life in the light of that invisible fact that is reality. And go on my way upheld and nourished and strengthened by that fact. Even though all my physical senses, all my material existence reports to me that that is not so. My eyes tell me it's not here. My ears listen and hear nothing. I can't touch it. I can't taste it. I can't smell it. Everything I see says it's not there. But faith says it is there. I have the assurance of it. I am under the complete conviction that, though it be invisible, it is there. And so, you see, faith, you could say, belongs to a different set of eyes and ears, the senses of my spirit. I see with inside eyes. I, I, I see what these eyes cannot see because what I am looking at is invisible and there's nothing about it that can connect with these eyes or these ears. But I've got eyes inside my spirit. The Bible speaks of it because it's the eyes of your understanding. Uh, that's probably the most blatant. There's many other references, not quite uh, as strong. But, but we've got eyes inside of us. We, we say, and we use the expression, don't we? we, we something that's been confusing to us. And then we say, I see it. Well, just a minute. It wasn't something you could see. But you're talking about something else. Eyes of your spirit. And as far as scripture is concerned, that's your real seeing. Because what these eyes see is a passing reality. What they see at this moment is not necessarily what they're going to see tomorrow morning. You, it's, it's, it, it passes. Right now, my eyes register the temperature of being nearly 100 degrees. But hopefully by October, it will register something much lower. Um, everything I see changes, changes with the hours, changes with the minute sometimes. But real seeing with eyes of my heart 
That's real seeing, because we see their truth. And so it says, let's go to the words. It says it's the assurance of things hoped for. This word assurance is a word in the Greek language which um, means to stand under as a foundation, right? Like like the, the foundation of a building is that which stands under the building to assure that it stands. If we have hope, real hope, it's got to have a foundation. We've got to have a reason upon which to build our hope. And if it's going to be held up, that foundation has got to be strong. This assurance, it's a foundation. It's solid. You can build on it. That, that's what it's saying. Faith gets hold of invisible truth that is real. It is true truth. I can build my life on that. It's assurance. Interestingly, this word, um, it, it, it was used in, in Greek law to describe that body of documents that proved ownership of a property. You, you held it in your hand these papers, and those papers assured you of your ownership, your right to put your foot on that property and say, it's mine. I suppose today we would call it the title deed. You might not presently see the property, but you've got the title deed in your hand and it's yours, and it can be used uh, for your your credit. You can use that title deed at the bank. You don't have to take the bank manager to see the property. The title deed says it. that's, That's a jolly good way of looking at this word. Faith holds in its hand. Faith grasps and has the assurance. It has the evidence before it that that which I am now seeing in the invisible is mine and is now deeded to me, you see? That's faith. And so you could say that faith is that action. It's done in the power of the Holy Spirit. It is directed toward and in the Lord Jesus the title deed that guarantees the ownership of that which we're trusting him for. This word assurance, it it is that firm grasp on unseen, invisible fact and reality. Put that on hold. And he goes right on. And notice he goes right on. He doesn't say and. Do you hear what he says? Uh, Faith is the assurance of things hoped for, the conviction of things not seen. It doesn't say in there uh, things hoped for and the conviction. These two are one. This is not two separate things. Uh, And so he's uh, expanding assurance. He's adding to the idea of assurance this idea of conviction. And conviction means the proof. 
It means the evidence. It's, it's the conviction of a reality, though that reality be invisible. Um, there's, there's a power here, conviction that, that has in it the idea of a demonstration. It's evident. It's proof. And, and, and so this, this isn't just a, a deadhead thing. This is my heart sees, and there's reason to believe. There's evidence. There's a witness within me that this is so, is so. And he says that the conviction of things not seen, and that word things is a lot bigger than the word we just got through things hoped for, things hoped for. No, this is bigger than that, things not seen. That covers all things, not just things hoped for in the future. This is talking about all things, all things. Things in the past, things in the present, and things in the future, but not just spiritual things, all things. This, this word would apply to your domestic life, your relationships, your, your work, your school, your, your most intimate personal life with God, all of it, all things. All things, all things that are not immediately visible or touchable to the five senses. So this implies that the invisible reality is present in all parts and things of my life. And faith can lay hold of that. Faith can see with eyes that are specially made by God to see what cannot be seen by these eyes. And of course, when you see what these eyes can't see, it will not be like the things that these eyes can see. Do you, do you understand? When I say see, I don't mean that you'll have this seeing of physical things that you can't see with these eyes. No, it's a world of invisible, and your seeing is more a knowing, a knowing that cannot be shaken. You've got the evidence. You have the demonstration, witness within you. And so it describes a person that is living in two worlds. You're living in the visible world, obviously. Faith does not deny this world at all. That's another erroneous understanding of faith, that you have to deny what's going on here. No, we are well aware I've got two eyes and two ears. Oh, I am well aware of what's going on in this physical world. But I also live in this other world where I can see, that is, I can know with an unshakable knowing that which these eyes and this brain and these ears cannot comprehend or cannot see. And I see. And so I live in this world with a firm grasp on a greater reality in an invisible world. I hope that's made sense. Now look, you can't make this up. Please understand this. You cannot make it up. I mean, that invisible real, 
let me just quickly say that the invisible real is a triune God, God the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, who have set their love upon you and speak into your heart that you are the beloved child of God. That invisible real tells you that God the Son became one with you, joined our humanity, and carried you through death in resurrection, has carried you to face to face with the Father and fills you with the Holy Spirit. Now, come on. You cannot make that up. I mean, if, if, if there is not real upon which you have grasped by this word faith, then, uh, <laughs> I mean... It, it, Either this is really real and you have truly laid hold upon that or we're all candidates for an asylum. This is more than imagination gone wild. <laughs> now do you understand, you see, faith is not a struggle to believe something that you hope is true. No, that wouldn't work. That, that, that's trying to believe. That, that's a silly expression. But you, you're trying to believe. You're trying to feed something to your five senses to say, come on, guys, get with this. No. This is, this is either the invisible real that faith lays hold of or we're all nuts. It's, it's not a labor to make it happen. And I have some dear friends who, who will confess something that the Scripture declares, but they, they confess it to try and make it true. No, I believe in confessing the Scripture, but not to make it true. It's because it is true. You see, we confess that which faith has laid hold of, what faith has seen, and it is so. And so we confess it in a world in which our five senses said, but that isn't true. We say it is. We know. We know. We're not, we're, there's, so there's no sweat, you say. I'm not trying to make it happen. I, 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 I know some dear, dear people, and, and they will stay up long hours of the night to confess a thing, to try and make it happen. No, oh, faith goes to bed and sweetly snores its praise to God because we know it is so. We know it is so. Um, see, if, if it isn't what I'm saying, if it isn't the real invisible, then we're in a sort of make-believe world, you know? Got my pretend friend. No. Um... This is life. This is life as we were created to know it and enjoy it. This is part of being human as the original blueprint laid down. We were created. It's, it's part. We're wired for this. 
in our original creation to live by faith, to live in two worlds at the same time. In the physical world, with all that that entails, but to live there at rest, because I've seen the other world. I, I live in the two worlds there. <laughs> and so, so I respond. Faith is a response mechanism. I, I respond to that invisible real. I respond to the real presence of the Father in the Son by the Holy Spirit in all the things of this physical life. And, and I'm only going to touch on this very quickly, but sin, sin um, at its very heart it is the collapse of this living by faith. faith. Faith was turned away from God. Instead of living in the radiant light and delight of God the Father, instead of fellowship with the Son in the Holy Spirit, that all collapsed. Sin was the turning of mankind away from God to now find all of life here in our mortality, the five senses. And so now mankind will not, and that's more important than saying he cannot, because in his cannot is because he will not, and also at this point man has completely forgotten this real world. And, and so anything that mankind in sin would say he believes, there must be what he calls scientific proof, which means something that this brain, something that these eyes, these ears, and so on, can test and repeat in experiments and prove and bring it into this physical world of formulas and proofs. The only time he goes out into the invisible, it is to follow the lies of the Garden of Eden, that you shall be as gods and come and find this other world where you'll find power to be gods. And so it tends toward a world of darkness, not only lies, but the, the world of, of the evil one and the demonic. He, he doesn't know how to see God, doesn't know God. He's forgotten there is a God who is love, who said, I will never leave you nor forsake you. The flesh substitutes this faith I'm talking about for positive thinking. And there's nothing really wrong with positive thinking. We could all uh, do a good with positive thinking. Um, but we, we ha have... A found, see, much, much positive thinking has no foundation to it, you see. It, it is just think and think and think positive and hope things change. But what I'm talking about is it's got a foundation, and that foundation is God himself. And faith lays hold upon him. 
Have you noticed that in the Old Testament there's hardly a mention of faith at all? I think actually, if you look in a concordance, there's about four references in the entire Old Testament to faith. You'll, you'll have a few more references to believe, but essentially faith suddenly springs onto the pages of Scripture in the New Testament. And then throughout the epistles, faith, 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 believe, believe. And we become known as believers. That's interesting. You ever thought about that? In the Old Testament, you could say you had the first streaks of light in the sky, the dawn light of, of God is coming, and he's coming to show us not only how we were created to be, but what he is going to achieve in and by us. And he's going to bring us back to our original blueprint. And so you begin, but oh, it's only begin, to see faith. And so you have Abraham, uh, and, and he becomes the, the great um, exemplar uh, of faith. But there, thereafter, it's sort of there but nowhere near like the New Testament doesn't mean they were unbelievers it means that they had very little their, their knowledge of God expanded by the century but they're, they're still they're getting the word of God through the prophet through the teacher through the priest it, it was sort of hearsay it was second hand and, and to such an extent they believe and they believe the covenant and they believed that there was one coming but they lived in that twilight zone look before we go any further I want to understand how the Holy Trinity fits into all of this there is no part of our walking God that does not find root in the Holy Trinity. And, and so let's, let's go back. This is not a parenthesis. This is a necessary moment. Let's go back. Father and Son and Holy Spirit, the God that we worship, and that God, says the Scripture, is in His being love. God is love. And so the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit is love. And so we, we find within God this completion, this complete satisfaction of love for the Father in unlimited gives himself to the Son and loves the Son. And the Son receives as he even gives himself to the Father to the point where it is said that, that the Father is in the Son and the Son is in the Father. I, one cannot be given more than to be in. And so the Son is not the Father. The Father is not the Son, but the Son couldn't be the Son without the Father. And the Father couldn't be the Father without the Son. That will probably lose you a few nights sleep thinking about that. But, but th th there you see the complete giving. And the Holy Spirit he is the very inness. He is the ecstasy of that love. 
And so when we look at God, we find three persons, each giving totally to the other, each living in the transparency of love, face to face, with nothing to hide. The word the scripture uses is no, K-N-O-W, no. And, and it's, it's a word which is used to describe the marriage intimacy. It, it means um, that, that there is nothing between face to face. It is knowing by engagement. It is knowing by actually participating in the other. And so the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit no, there's nothing hidden. They live face to face. They live toward each other. No turning, no deviation. They are for each other. Another word in the scripture is they are with, which means not just alongside, but again, this union, this utter dependence. Now, you cannot speak of love without using the word trust. You know, trust. If I trust someone, it's because I believe that they are for me. I believe that they are with me. I believe that they would give themselves to me, even as I to them. And so, trust. And, and, and trust, there's a vulnerability about trust. You, you enter into a certain weakness in order to trust another. You give yourself to them, and, and it, it's, it's without limits. You trust them. It makes you very vulnerable. And trusting them, you have become open to them. There, there's a certain nakedness without shame. You know, you've got no... No masks and there's no, nowhere to hide. You trust that person and they entrust themselves to you. Have you ever thought about this, that within the Holy Trinity is perfect, limitless trust? The Father trusts the Son. The Son trusts the Father. The Father trusts the Holy Spirit and so on. Trust this vulnerability of giving the one to the other. So I enter into this divine dimension of the deepest heart of God. There's no hiding, no hiding. Oh, what a, what a thought. No masks, no lies, no suspicion, no control. Each is vulnerable to the other, no manipulation. You realize God has never been alone for the love of the Father and the Son and the Spirit is infinite, limitless friendship, relationship, society. No exclusion. No closing ranks and leaving you outside. No cold shoulder. No grasping for power because each is given to the other. There's none less than. The Father is not less than the Son, the Son not less than the Father or the Spirit, and so on. No demeaning, no dishonor, no disloyalty. This is light. This is final truth. Out of this one, 
he chose to create create a universe but at the head of that universe create mankind mankind a creature a creature a made thing out of the dust of the earth and yet a creature that would be can we ever get it exalted a creature made of dust you can buy yourself in a pharmacy for a few cents i mean just the dust the minerals the chemicals and yet and yet created to actually unite with and fellowship and relate with this triune god to do so in and through the sun so a creature of flesh and bone and ligaments and organs and hormones and nerve endings in a physical world of situation and event would be at home inside this god who is love ah but sin as i said man chose he chose to distrust this god and to trust the words of the serpent the lie and plunged into the world of darkness where he could no longer comprehend this god his god didn't make sense to him in fact he quickly forgot that god and replaced that god with one that was more comprehensible to his senses and his brain and way things were man could no longer comprehend the invisible he could no longer grasp the incomprehensible he could not believe the unprovable so jesus said no one has well the it says in one john concerning jesus no one has seen god at any time colossians 1 calls him the invisible god jesus said no one knows the father absolutely no one knows the father you see can you can't know god through your brain you can't think god how can your little pea brain that god created ever work out who he is we lost our ability to see the face of the father the face of the holy trinity yeah well does god give up on the idea no he doesn't blink he is determined and he continues his purpose that you and i though part of that fallenness he will bring us home to where we belong inside the heart of this god who is love and how is he going to come into our darkness you see um wait see he's god just let him blunder in no uh, you missed what i just said 
this God who is love would not blunder in anywhere. God isn't a dictator. Please understand that. You say, God's all power. Well, what do you mean? You, you have what in mind when you say that? God is love. Love never grasps power. Love never puts down an iron boot and says it's my way or the highway. No, love has other methods. Love does not issue executive orders and says, get in line, here's the new regulation. When God put mankind in charge of the earth, he doesn't rescind that just because things appear to go wrong. And when he made us so incredible, he doesn't sort of diminish our powers. He honors, he respects us. <laughs> Can we ever get that? Love respects us. Love will not control us. He honors our choices. He, he doesn't want us to be his slaves. He wills a relationship in which we discover his love and respond to love and become lovers. Free, not coerced, not cowering fear. So what shall God do? God the Son, sent by the Father, that is the full will of the Father, revealed in the will of the Son, and enabled and empowered by the will of the Spirit, one will of love. The Son enters the race. See, I say it again, he doesn't issue edicts or fiats, If he is going to speak to us and bring us back to where we belong, he's going to come and assume to himself our humanity, come right into our world and look at us eyeball to eyeball as a genuine human. He's going to get inside our broken, dark heads and he's going to reveal this incredible God of love right inside the very sewer of our darkness. God came through the curtain into our darkness and the curtain closed behind him. And he is within our darkness within the limitations of our human. And the Holy Spirit continually makes real to this human Jesus the reality of God, who He really is, and the reality of who humans were made to be, 
And as human, please don't turn me off at this point. As human, Jesus now must live among us as one of us by faith. Jesus is the first human to truly live by faith. He lived one of us in the midst of this fallen world, oppressed on all sides by the temptations and trials of this fallen world. But at the selfsame moment, he lived by faith, grasping the invisible reality of his Father and who his Father really is, love. And listening to his Father, who told him who he really is, now that he's within the limitations of our human He must grow in understanding of who he is. And the father tells him, you are my son, my beloved son, in whom is my pleasure. And Jesus must grasp that and believe that, engage with it. Though to the world it be invisible and beyond the five senses. He knows that word, you see. He knows the Father. And no one in the race of humans knows the Father. Jesus stands alone and by faith he knows his Father. He grasps the invisible. But he then reveals that Father in who he is and what he says and what he does. He introduces the human race to the Father, but he introduces him right in the middle of our darkness. He hears his Father above the noise, the din of pain and anguish and sorrow and rage that is all around him. So in the darkness he is the light that that lives in the invisible while in the visible, in the visible yet in the invisible, and he brings the visible. And in all the situations and pressures of life, in the darkness he lays hold of his father's giving and releases it into the darkness and so he heals the sick and says this is what my father wants this is what my father wills and I will one will with him and I give you his delight and his desire and that's why he turned water to wine that's why he fed the multitude because that's what his father is like and that's what father always wanted for humankind by faith as 100% human while he never ceased to be 100% God but living within the limitations of our human he lived that by faith he trusted the father he he brought that trust that existed unbeginningly in the holy trinity 
that love of the Father to the Son to the Spirit and so on, he brings that right into the middle of our darkness. The Holy Trinity sets up shop in the middle of our darkness. And Jesus, trusting the Father, reveals that to earth by bringing that invisible into the very visible pain and brokenness of the human. And so he is the image of God. See him, you've seen the Father. Huh. And he obeys the Father. Find that word. Jesus obeyed. And that word obeyed, you see, legalism has made that word a very cold word. It's always to do with commandments, and you obey. No. It's always called in the New Testament, obedience of faith. Though many times we, we leave off the of faith. It's the obedience of faith. This isn't just obedience to Ten Commandments. This is obedience to this incredible God that faith sees. And faith lays hold of. We obey him. That is, we bring our lives into line with that which we see, though it contradicts everything that we're well aware of in this world. And so Jesus trusted the Father. He obeyed the Father. He bent the life of human to be the absolute reflection, the mirror image of the invisible. The ultimate obedience with Gethsemane. When he would obey, he would trust his father even to death. And so, Hebrews 11, it tells us that definition. of it. Then it goes on and says it showed up all through the Old Testament. It gives all those people in the Old Testament. But then, I've never heard a sermon on this. Verse 39 Oh, they've gone through the whole jolly lot now. And he says, And all these, all these fellows and girls of the Old Testament who exhibited this, though to a very limited degree, but they had the real thing there. All these, having gained approval through their faith, did not receive what was promised. So they believed, but they died waiting Verse 40, because God had provided something better for us so that apart from us they should not be made perfect. He said the Old Testament, they could never reach the full maturity. They were waiting for us. They were waiting for this age in which we live, in which we would see the real chapter 12 and of course the word chapter 12 was never there when it was written that was put in by humans afterward to divide it up and make it easier to read so cut out chapter 2 just keep reading apart from us they should not be made perfect so it says therefore um, we, we lay off anything that would ever stop us from the full enjoyment of this and in verse 2 fixing our eyes on Jesus the author and perfecter of faith that is it said Jesus author's faith he is the real thing all of the Old Testament were groping they, they were moving toward but they never really got there 
because it waited for this age in which we live when Jesus came and he became the author of what faith really is and what's author mean? He says, takes the lead. That's the meaning of the word author. In the Greek language, it means one who takes the lead and leads us. He becomes the way into. So he's the author. He's the leader into faith. He's the one who uh, provides the first occasion. That is, um, the first time you've really seen this is the author. So it's saying, Jesus is the first time you've really seen what faith is. He, the word means, the source from which a thing proceeds. That is, he's, he's the source of faith. He's its initiator, and he's the giver, the dispenser. And the finisher, he's the concluder. That is, he brought faith to its fullest conclusion. This is it. See, Abraham never brought it to conclusion, nor did David, nor did Daniel, nor... No, but Jesus, he's the author. He's what it really is, and he brings it to its conclusion in his death and in his resurrection, which he accomplished by faith in his Father. Do you hear what I'm saying? He, he carried us in his death. He brought us in his resurrection, in his ascension to the Father. He brought to us the full knowing and seeing of a world that this brain does not connect with and these eyes do not see and these ears do not hear. And he did it from the midst of our world. He brought all of God into our darkness and then he took us and carried us into the heart of God. You say, how does this work? Well, you see, we, we've dumbed down the gospel, haven't we? We've just made it a sort of, um, here's my, my spiel and now sign here. So he's getting insurance against some... A terrible accident impossible of the future and and so you know here's one two three four a sign here you're saved next please no do you realize the gospel it says the gospel that is i've been giving you the gospel the last 45 minutes it's the gospel is jesus the gospel is what god has done it's what god has achieved in the death and resurrection person of jesus that's the good news. Have you heard the news? God did not leave us, abandon us. He came and he joined us right in the guts of our darkness in order to put his arms around us and carry us out of here. It's the gospel. Well, what does Romans 1.17 say? The gospel. That is this body of truth contained in these words. The words that I've been saying to you. The gospel is the power of God unto salvation. The gospel is vibrating with power. The gospel is not just ideology. The gospel isn't some dead theology with cobwebs hanging all over it. The gospel is living. The gospel is the very person of Jesus in word form. But also in 1 Corinthians 2 and verse 1, 2, um, and you should read this. I've, again, I don't hear this talked about. 
It says, Paul said, when I came to you, I came in fear and trembling. I was preaching Christ and him crucified. I was preaching this gospel. And he said, I did that in the power and the demonstration of the Holy Spirit, lest or in case, God forbid, that your faith should stand in the wisdom of men and not in the power of God. That is, he said, if you just read this as words and make some intellectual decision that seems a jolly good idea and why not, what the heck, I'll do it. No, he says, that, that, that faith is, is, is the wisdom of men. He says, this gospel, the gospel that in itself is the power of God, but he said, when it comes out of my mouth, it comes in the power and the demonstration of the Holy Spirit so that you really meet Jesus in these words. And Jesus is the author of faith. Jesus is its conclusion. And you meet with him. You see, faith is not a human work. Faith is not something you dredge up in order to complete the gospel. Faith comes with the gospel. That as I meet Jesus in the gospel, through the power of the Holy Spirit, Faith, this, what? I, 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 we say I see it. I got it. Uh, you, the fact is, you, you know what I'm talking about or you wouldn't be listening tonight. And yet we've never thought about it. Where did your faith come from? You didn't make it up. Where did it come from? How come you you believed and understand this entire gospel from beginning to end is 102% miracle? You believe in the incarnation? See, I I have believers say, well, I don't believe in miracles. You say, don't be daft. If, If you're a Christian, in the biblical sense of the word, you believe that Jesus is the Son of God and you don't believe in miracles? You don't believe God became flesh and lived among us. That's the, I, I, I run out of words. That they lived among us, making footprints in the dust of this earth. The man who was God looking for us. God coming for us. You believe that? You believe in miracles, don't you? You believe he did all that he did, said all that he said? You believe that that man died having suffered? Do you believe he was buried and on the third day death was destroyed and that man came out of the tomb with a life that couldn't die? This is Christianity 101. And you believe that that Jesus, who is still the life of life, actually came to you through the Holy Spirit in the gospel as you heard it, as you read it, as someone witnessed to you of it, whatever, but he came to you. And at the time you didn't realize, I know that. That's the wonder of this. See, it doesn't have to pass through your brainwaves. He came to you. And you found faith is and you believed you engaged with that and you committed to that you trusted but remember 
It was the grace of God coming to you, and your response was faith, and that not of yourself. It was the gift of God. The gift comes with the proclamation. The gift brings it to me and out of me. He's the author and finisher of faith. He brings us into his faith. Christ comes to live in us, and he who lives in us is the author of faith and its finish. And so the Christian life is we begin to see God the Father through his eyes. We see the Father as Jesus sees him, and we realize the Father is seeing us as he sees Jesus, for we are one in him. You you can't make that up. Jesus reveals it to us. In fact, I would say the Father trusting the Son and the Son trusting the Father and the Spirit celebrating trust. Becoming a Christian is that we're baptized into the middle of that. And, and, And we know the Father's trust of the Son and the Son's trust of the Father that love is satisfied. Love did what Jesus came to do and the Father says he did. And Jesus says, I did. And the Holy Spirit dances and says, he did. And I know that. I enter into the faith the Father has in the finished work of Jesus. The Father believes that you were placed into Christ. And the Father knows that when Jesus rose, you rose too. He knows that. And Jesus, of him it's written, he shall see the travail of his soul and be satisfied. He's satisfied. When he says it's finished, it's finished, he, sa- he believes in his own work. Did you see? I'm playing with words here, but do you see what I'm saying? And when you were baptized, you were baptized into the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. You were baptized into their trust. Your faith is, your faith is his faith in you. See, nothing of this new creation arises from us. You, you don't have... I mean, don't you know it? You, you can't love. Of course you can't. Love one another as I have loved you. Well, you can't do that. The sooner you find that out, the better. Can't, you can't do that. No. But when love himself comes to live within you, the fruit of the Spirit in you is love. So you love with a love not your own. Your compassion, your kindness, your gentleness, and so on. It's Christ in you. And facing your situation in life, you don't have answers. Then you look away to Jesus and recognize he sees the Father as love in this present moment and he assures us of all the Father wills to give to us and the Holy Spirit opens our eyes and enables us and we say he never leaves us nor forsakes us. Where would you get that from? It's because he lives within you and he inspires your faith, you see. So look, will you stop trying? 
Maybe I said that too harshly. See, you, you come to the absolute end of yourself. You say, I'm, I'm, I'm going, I'm finished. And I, I say this with all the compassion I know. Thank God. You finally come to the end of struggle and trying to believe. Now fall right into the, the arms of Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, where you are anyway. Realize Jesus is the door. Jesus is the way into the invisible Father. And he reveals that. And you lay hold of him. And you order your life by him. And you discover him in the scripture. And the Spirit makes a verse leap out at you as the love of the Father saying, this is for you right now. You, 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 you let that root in your heart. And so your faith grows. Because the Bible speaks of little faith and much faith. But it grows in proportion to how you see that through Jesus the Father is who the Father is and the purpose is what the purpose is. And the Holy Spirit is ever opening your eyes and translating that into life. And the more you see, the greater your faith. Well, I am hopelessly over time, but I, I just couldn't leave you hanging there. So forgive me. And I trust that's answered your question, Joy. Now the blessing of God, who is almighty love, the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, be with you now. Filling your life with divine and unearthly peace. Bringing to you the ecstasy of the Holy Spirit. That you may rejoice in the Lord forevermore. So I bless you. Because that is the way it is. <laughs>